Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown and welcome to our weekly life study. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. You're listening to Cy Brown Live. We air weekdays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time and anytime on the web, so feel free to check us out. You can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Cy Brown Live, and coming soon you'll be able to hear us on Harvest Radio. So I'm really, really excited. They're joining the ranks of playing Cy Brown Live every single day, so I'm really excited about that. Today is our weekly life study, and we are joined by Youth Pastor Tori Lifridge. He is the Youth Pastor of First Corinthian Baptist Church, and today we're talking about issues, just issues young people face and the role that faith and salvation and deliverance, all those things that are kind of necessary to to progress us through the kingdom, how it affects them. So today is a really good show since uh, we really want to know how to kind of guide our youth back to the direction that they're supposed to be in. So we'll get into a little bit of music, a little bit of Fred Hammond later on. But before any delay, let's bring on Pastor Tori. Hi, Pastor Tori, are you with us? Oh, yes, I am. Hi. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Um, I'm just going to jump right in. First, tell everybody who you are, where your church is. I know you're right in Harlem. I'm here in the city, too. Uh, And then we'll get into uh, and really get into today's discussion. All right. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm excited to be here as well um, and take part in this type of work. Uh, as you said, I'm Tori Lifridge. I am the youth, uh, as well, youth and young adult pastor of First Corinthian Baptist Church, which is located here in Harlem, uh, 116th and 7th Avenue, uh, where, you know, we are just seeking to do the work that God has laid before us. Well, I, I like the way that sounds. I really, really do. Um, and I will share with you, I was the youth director of my church for about five years, so I, I know <laughs> and fully understand <laughs> some of the challenges that we face with our young people. Um, but I just really want to hear from you, uh, just what are some of the core issues that young people are facing today? Well, I, I think if we look at this and look at, to me, the most uh, quintessential, fundamental core issue that our young people face today has everything to do with identity. Really? Um, uh, absolutely. Um we have so many of our young people who are uh, very unsure of who they are and they find themselves living in a society or a culture that makes it difficult for them to to even engage their own self-identity because it is not cool to be unique. It is cool to be kind of defined by the social norm or the prevailing norm that uh, everyone else seems to be going with. And so... What I find with all the young kids I encounter, whether, you know, they come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, um, households, you know, single parent versus dual parent homes, the the underlying commonality that they all seem to share is they wrestle with standing firm in their own identity. I didn't, you know, it's so funny you say that. I never really thought about the role that identity plays, but I guess, you know, I'm I'm in my late 30s, and I think to a certain degree our identity was already established for us. At least when I was coming up, we were told this is who you are and this is who you're going to be. Mm-hmm. That's it. There, there's no, you know, this is just what it is. 
but I I, I want to believe now because there's so many choices and, you know, parents are a lot more free and raise their children with a, a lot more choices than we had. Do you feel that that's a contributing factor to the confusion of our young people right now? Absolutely. And and if you even take um, the, the uh, example that you gave, it is one of the reasons I work with young adults as well. Um, it's one of the reasons uh, on that side, uh, when you, you think about or regarding parents, um, when we grew up, I'm, I'm 33, and so, yes, I grew up in the South. Um, it was pretty standard uh, what was expected and who yeah. I was. Um, but even with that, uh, as a young adult, I found myself gr- gr- grappling with my own identity. What, who wow. am I? Like, who am I beyond the college degree, who am I beyond mm-hmm. the expectations that were set that I bought into that were very positive in my life. You know, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. It, it led me in a great direction. But beyond that, who who am I? And so if if I know as a young adult that that's something that I had to deal deal with, I'm not surprised that, you know, we have some of our young kids dealing with the same thing. And, yes, the spectrum has shifted. So mm-hmm. many parents are, you know, are really – <laughs> growing up themselves, and so mm-hmm. you have young people raising or attempting to raise young people, giving them so much freedom, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the urban environment. I, I moved here and found, you know, there were I had 13-year-old young lady uh, coming to, to Bible study midweek on Tuesday from Newark, New Jersey, by herself. What? Which blew my mind. I mean, I'm glad that she was coming, you know, here. to Bible study. <laughs> right. But I'm like, oh, my God, your mother allows you to do this, you know. So they, they are forced to kind of grow up so quickly, um, have all these choices, all these freedoms, and, yes, it, it allows them to get kind of lost in, you know, defining who they are. And that's why I think faith plays such an important role. Hmm. It's it's really odd. I I was raised, and I, and I can't speak for all people, but, you know, my listeners pretty much know my background, and, you know, I came raised in a church, Bible study, and, and the like, and I was raised kind of uh, strict, you know, I remember, um, you know, a boy walked me home in like eighth grade and my father flipped, like he was carrying my books, I can't even imagine that happening right now, but anyway, this kid was, this guy was carrying my books and my father chased him away and ran him away and, you know, if I looked at a boy, you know, I was told my eyeballs are going to fall out and if I touch the boy's hand, my hand is going to fall off (laughs) and when none of that happened, it negated everything my parents taught me. And so because of such, I was I spent the second half of my senior year pregnant because there was no there there was no middle. It was this is what it is and that and it, it, there's no compromise. So conversely, I raised my children with a voice and with freedom to make choices and do you want to do this and do, and then the unintended consequences of that Oh my! That's why I got into youth ministry because I said I got to figure out how to fix what I did. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I, this is spiritual. This is real spiritual." And I know a spanking won't work. And the unintended consequence, I believe, of that freedom and that charismatic personality and lack of rigor or rigid rules to a certain degree creates the mishmash of young people that we have today, or misguided mass of young people that that we have today how do we fix that well it, it i i think it is it's so difficult mm-hmm. it, there's not one answer 
But right. uh, to me, the approach, that's why I focus on identity mm-hmm. Be- and helping them to stand firm on their God-given identity, mm-hmm. not in a, um, a strictly rigid, traditional, fundamental way that the church has done for so long because mm-hmm. in that way the church has you know, sought to give an identity instead right. of giving young people the space to engage God you know, for themselves and discover their own identity. Right. And to be confident that it's okay to accept and own everything that, you know, God created me to be. Mm-hmm. Because I think with that, there's nothing that we could do, whether it's the fear from, you know, our parents, you know, our parents growing up, or whether mm-hmm. it's the freedom, there's nothing we can do that's going to ever be a universal approach to all of right. our kids. Right, I totally different. agree. You know, I everybody's totally unique. Agree. You could have three kids and, and do the, the same thing and find that they take three different paths in life. Mm-hmm. And it may work for two of them, may not work for one, you know. And so for me, I think our, the way that we need to engage our young people is to really um, present an opportunity for them to, to discover who they are and to be excited about who they are and mm-hmm. to know that they can own their own identity and know that, you know, it is their God-given creation's identity. You're and right. that makes them unique enough. And that will hopefully help them to make um, a lot of, make better decisions when they're in those those positions to make those decisions. It's not easy. It's it's really not easy. And I, I just have a passion for anybody that can deal with young people because what happens is, and I, and I think people are starting to get this, and I and I always share, you know, personal references on the show. My father was quick to say, oh, you give your kids too many choices. You know, you talk to them, you negotiate with them. And so it's hard to, you, you know, you want to take a hard-line approach, but then you also want to be mindful because if you don't talk and engage, they have so many other out, so many more outlets than I had and you had and other people had with the Internet and Facebook and Twitter. You have to really hope that you don't, see a post on Facebook that they're going to kill somebody or something like this. I really think engagement with young people is so important, but never losing your authority. Yeah, and you're exactly right. I I think there's, there's nothing wrong with having your own standards, your own expectations, your rules, um, because as much as they might uh, protest it, young people, and I found this across the board, no matter where I've engaged in youth ministry, young people, they want direction they want structure they want discipline because that shows them that at least someone is there someone cares enough they will rebel against it they will act out but at the end of the day they'll find themselves coming back to that space because they want totally agree you know and so discipline nothing is wrong with that i think though what we have to then do on top of that is to really seek as you said to engage them Mm -hmm. and let them know that this is a space where we can talk through what you're thinking because Mm -hmm. how else are they going to know how to think through um given situations if we never Mm -hmm. engage them and let them know how we how we have done it how we've made mistakes you know not shielding our past mistakes from them Mm -hmm. but engaging them letting them know i was there Yep. You know, I had to face the same thing. And these are some of the decisions I made and why I made them so that they can find themselves in our story. Oh, man, I felt the same way. Like, mm-hmm. I made this decision because everybody around me, you know, was making the same decision. I didn't want to feel alone. I wanted to be accepted because I didn't feel I was accepted anywhere else. And they are able to say, man, you, I, I, I can relate to that. And then, then you can tell them I made the decision and I regret it. Now that I'm older, right. I can look back on it. 
and see that I should have made a better decision. And hopefully that will then give them a little bit more confidence to at least think through more of what they're engaging and what they're allowing themselves to experience. You know, I, I have young people all the time, and I deal with a very, uh, I would say, at-risk population. Mm-hmm. Um, many of our, our young our teenagers come to the church on their own. They don't come with their families That's or beautiful. parents. It is, and it's a wonderful thing. And what I found is that they are looking for something. They're looking for that structure. They're looking for that constant presence, mm-hmm. and they're looking for affirmation yep. because many of our kids aren't getting it anyplace else. And so what we, you know, have to be intentional about, especially as the church, is to not seek to be so judgmental, not yeah. seek to always, you know, squash their their visions, their dreams, and their excitement on things. But while while we have them engage, help guide them and help to show them, like, you know, yes, this is what you're doing, and help me understand why you're doing this. No, you teach them so how to right. think through it. Yeah, I think talking through it is so critically important. And in and, and, and generations prior, young people were so dismissed, sit in the back of the church, and I don't want to hear any rappers during service. No, you know, gum chewing. You know, I just don't think that approach works. I just want to say hello to everyone in the chat room. We've got a lot of guests in the chat room. Hi, everybody. I'm just going to ask if you can create a username and passcode. That way I can properly greet you. So I see we have a lot of people um, who are listening to the show live, and they're in the chat room. Big shout-out to my dear sister from the 770 area code. I know who that is, listening uh, through her telephone. I want to share with you, you are listening to my conversation with Youth Pastor Tori Lifridge from First Corinthian Baptist Church right here in Harlem, New York. We're going to get into a quick song by Hezekiah, Bishop Hezekiah Walker. I love this song, God Favors Me. And on the other side, we'll pick up the conversation conversation again with Pastor Tori. You're listening to Cy Brown Live weekdays at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time and anytime on the web at cybrownlive.com. I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know tonight you got me. In your trial, in your test, in your hard time, don't worry. Attack your character. Attack your integrity. Don't worry, no, no. Touch your neighbor. Encourage the person next to you. Tell them I got it. Tell them I got it. I can say it.
God, everybody. One more time, everybody, lift your voice all over this world and say, God favors me. Amen. I can keep that song right on uh, just replay. What is it, repeat? I think <laughs> I think it's when you have it on the CD player and you just hit repeat, right, Pastor? Absolutely. <laughs> you could definitely do that. I t- I, that song is so short. It's like two minutes, and I think one time I listened to it for like 30 minutes straight. <laughs> it just kept looping over and over. And I think it's so important that just there's music that ministers to young people, and, of course, Bishop Walker hits it spot on. Um, what role do you think music plays in ushering young people into worship? I think it plays a vitally important role. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of music myself, um, and our young people, especially today, music shapes so much of their social life. Mm. And so I think music of all sorts, uh, especially when we talk about um, gospel music uh, mm-hmm. and, and leading into worship, um, it, it definitely helps to relate and helps to convey a message and helps them, because that's the language they speak in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So it helps them to, like, for example, that, that song, uh, it, it's very, uh, my, I love that song personally, but then one of the affirmations that we have here at our church is, you know, I am the beloved of God, God's spirit rests on me, and in me God finds favor. Oh, and nice. just the message of that, continuing to have that being poured into your spirit, it helps to remind you that, you know, there is something special and unique about me. And so I think with that, it helps our young people to engage a space with God. You know, yep. for, for us, a lot of times God was handed to us. And now we're seeing more of our young people being able to kind of find God for themselves, to mm, just be mm. ushered into a space where they can encounter. And they're encouraged, you know, Talk to God on your own. Prayer is talking to God. So however you need to talk to him, talk to him so that you are having your own personal, meaningful, relevant conversation and, and encounter with God, mm-hmm. you know. But I also, I also use, um, you know, in our, our Bible studies and, and things, like one of the songs I love that I used recently was, um, you know, Lauren Hill's um, on her, the Miseducation of Lauren Hill album. Great CD. Yeah, exactly. And we were talking, um, and of course the song escapes me right now, but it was a song dealing with love. And, you know, I had some of the the youth just really, you know, imagine, um, you know, God singing that song to them. Nice. You know, about their relationship with him and, you know, all of the things that we do when we take God for granted. And and it just sparks a, a, a totally different level in dialogue with the young people that they can relate to. And they open up in a different way. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. You know what's so funny? When Before I t- took over le- the leadership role at my church, um, the young people were just there because their parents made them come there. And I'm, I'm you know, silly, and I'm fun. But um, I asked them, like, where's your Bible? And then, Miss Saida, we don't have a Bible. I'm like, well, how are you supposed to know what God's supposed to do for you if you don't have a Bible? What if you have a question? Oh, my mother has one. I'm like, but you need your own. And so I made every adult in the church be responsible for ensuring that every single young person in our church had their own Bible with their name in it that they used for themselves. Wow. You can't have salvation if you don't know it for yourself. Your mother's Bible can't get you to heaven. If you don't have that Bible in your room, I don't care if you put a glass on it, it's there. I don't don't subscribe to the philosophy that you have the – 
family Bible that you, you know, blow dust off of and keeps all the birth certificates. No. Honestly, I don't care if it's in your room under your DVD players. It's there. I would prefer it not be, (laughs) but it's there. And then once they got used to having their own, then I made sure they brought it to church. Don't come in here into the sanctuary without your Bible. And every now and again, my husband was the um, Sunday school teacher for the guys. And he would every now and again give out a dollar to those that had the Bible. And then, you know, the next week, Miss Saida, Mr. Charles, we have our Bible. I'm like, so we're not giving dollars today, you know. <laughs> and then it got to the point where I didn't even have to tell them to bring their Bible. And it speaks exactly to what you just said about they want direction, they want leadership, and they want people to know that they're important and to validate them as well and not dismiss them. And I just was like so filled with joy when, I, when, when young people were coming to church with their Bible, and it also got the seasoned saints of the church actively involved and actively engaged with our young people. Get them a Bible and stop complaining that their pants are sagging. You too can help, you know? Yeah. It is real, and, and those are the, some of the things that I think, you know, as as we think back, and I'm I'm pretty sure listening to you and uh, some of your your past uh, testimonies, I, I can imagine you can relate to. We had so many things that were given to us mm-hmm. that weren't all necessarily bad, you know, the practice of you know going to church with your Bible or the mm-hmm. practice of of understanding what what why it was important to have it. I think those things, for me at least, you know, helped to when I came to that point and encountered God for myself, you Mm -hmm. know, in college, and I had a real encounter, not something that Mm -hmm. I was supposed to do or not, you know, an emotional encounter outside of the bonfire at church camp over the summer, (laughs) you know, but a real encounter Mm -hmm. with God that a lot of the the foundation that was laid through Sunday school, through being forced to go to church, through being forced to do, you know, the youth department and all of that, Mm -hmm. all of those things, you know, I had a great foundation to draw upon. And so I think it's a a beautiful thing to make sure that we help equip our young people with tools that they can have to to then utilize as they encounter God, you know, have Mm -hmm. the God moment for themselves, you know. No, you're 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 so right. My son, we about a year ago, my older son, we were looking at schools. You know, he finished high school, wasn't sure what he wanted to do. And I've shared this story once before. We went to uh, he he didn't know what he wanted to do, and we, we were attending this early morning service, the seven thirty service, and we saw another couple that who we've known who I've known my entire life. And you know, the guy's a little bit older. I call him my uncle. He's a couple years older than me. And his wife commented on my pocketbook, and she's like, Saida, your purse is beautiful. So, of course, I went home, and I emptied it out, and I said, I told my husband, he knew what I was going to do. I was going to drive her my purse. You know, if somebody compliments you on something, they really, just give it to them. And so I asked my son, do you want to ride? And he said, "Ah, I'll go, which getting a teenager to ride with you anywhere is strange. But he (laughs) said, I'll ride with you. So when we got to um, my uncle's house, he said, oh, she's upstairs sleeping. Uh, you know, I'll take the gift. I had wrapped it up and everything. And he says, but you, you guys want to come in? You know, the kids can play video games. No problem. So my uncle and I started talking. He's like, hey, I got a new job. And I'm like, okay, what do you do? He was a recruiter for one of the local schools. And my son could not believe how we had been really toiling what he was going to do after high school. You know, we gave him some time to figure himself out. And I said, you know, you have to really look how God leads you. First of all, I had to be 
um, obedient when she when she complimented my purse to take it to her. He had to be obedient to the spirit to even ride with me to their house. And he finally realized, he, he said to me, now I understand how this whole God thing starts to work. I said, everything we do is a setup to benefit us no matter what. And that was such a beautiful moment because he got to have a one-on-one private conversation with a recruiter from a local school in comfortable setting and environment, and it was conducive to him to learn. And I said, God wants the best for you. You just have to be obedient and walk in it. And that was the moment that my older son experienced God for himself. And it's, it's in those moments that our young people realize, hey, you know what? This stuff is real. It can help lead me to a better place. And that's, that was just one of my proudest moments as a mom when he realized God is actually involved in his life on a personal level. Yes, that's, and that's a, that's a kingdom moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that is so important to the work that we all do when we deal with, especially our young people, everybody, but especially our young people, mm-hmm. is how do we help frame, you know, an experience for them so that it is real, it is their experience. And mm-hmm. the way he encountered God on that day was his encounter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mirror anybody else's, doesn't have to look like anybody else's, doesn't have to be approved by anybody else. It is his moment mm-hmm. for him to then continue his walk and his journey with understanding how God moves and operates and speaks into his life. And when we can do that, then we can, we're able to say, yes, trust God's power in his life, in his own encounter with God, to lead, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and, and it, it allows us to then not have to worry about controlling it or controlling right. our young people, but allowing them to then follow the leading of God in good and bad. Because, yep. you know, like you said, in, in every situation, you know, God, God wants the best. So even mm-hmm. in, the bad, in the bad situation, when you make the wrong choice, which we need to encounter and experience to know, one, that God is still there. Yes. You know, and then, two, that God can redeem it. Yeah. So you, you need to know that in the journey. And I think, you know, as a church, a lot of times, you know, a lot of churches, it, we, it's, it's always hev- heavily, more heavily emphasized about the good of God. You know, God right. is good. God wants the greatest for you, which is true. But then I think we do a disservice by not engaging our young people and helping them to know that, yes, you will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Or, yes, there will be some hard times. And mm-hmm. as you encounter these hard times, these are the moments where you have to learn how to, to recognize God still in those moments mm-hmm. so that you still know, are able to learn about God and experience God even in the down times. I'm, I'm, I, I'm just so happy to hear that young people, that young pastors are coming up through the ranks and care about our young people as much as I do. Pastor Tori, give everybody your church's information and how they can find you. Oh, we, we like I said, we're First Corinthian Baptist Church, uh, located on the corner of 116th and 7th Avenue in Harlem, New York. Um, you can also find us on the website at uh, www.fcbcsermons.com. Um, FCBC as in First Corinthian Baptist Church, sermons.com. Um, and here we are, man. Like I said, we're just doing the work that God has put before us and calling us to do and just loving it and loving to experience and encounter God along the way. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. You listen to Pastor Tori Liferidge right here in New York City. I want to give a big shout-out. Alicia, I just want to let you know I just sent you that email. Um, and to all of our guests, wow, it says, Hi, side, new to the blog. I'm from First Corinthian Baptist Church. This has been a blessing. We love you, Pastor Tori. So you've got some uh, <laughs> some of your church members listening to the show right now, Pastor. <laughs> 
Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. And always remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. I love you all for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow at 12 noon. Peace.